Hi, I'm Jeff Putt. I'm the Barbecue Butcher, NZ. And you're listening to Barbecue Base. Barbecue Base, the podcast for those that love a little low and slow in their lives. And this is a special uh, first section and ending for you today because we are live at the uh, Napier West Shore in Barbecue Beach Battle, uh, which you've heard us talking about for quite a while. And as ever, I'm joined by my trusty co-host, a man who came down here with 72 kilos of luggage in his own private jet, <laughs> flown in specially to Napier as the superstar to bask in his own glory, Noel Hasplodakis. How are you, Noel? How was your competition? Hello, Alex. It was very good, thank you. I've had a very, very good couple of weeks. How are you? I'm very well. I'm awesome. I had a great. I've had a great time. And um, so, look, guys, we, as we said, we are recording this live at competition, so there may well be a bit of noise in the background. There's a few beers being had. Um, Lots of beers. We have yeah. just had um, prize giving, so yeah, you can imagine uh, some of the stuff that's going on. So if it's a little bit noisy today, that's what it is. Uh, and we're also um, really happy to be joined by Blitz Creek Barbecue's Joe Herman. Um, so a Meat Mafia sponsored team and one of the up and coming stars of the uh, barbecue scene here in New Zealand. And, Absolutely. Um, resident from Napier. So, hey, Joe, welcome to Barbecue Base. G'day, boys. Happy to be here. And look, we're going to uh, do things a little bit different today, um, obviously, because we're down here and we have all just cooked in this competition. And it's one of those competitions, just super fun down here. Um, it's all takes place at the West Shore Inn or Beach Inn, which so most of us have been staying on site. We've got cabins and the camaraderie is awesome and it doesn't really matter where everybody came, um, but it does. Uh, <laughs> and the format for today, so we had, it was a bit different because it was meant to be um, an NZBA, so a full barbecue, normal barbecue, you know, brisket, ribs, chicken, etc. Um, tomorrow. Uh, and then SCA was going to be today, but obviously because of uh, the coronavirus uh, restrictions that we've got in New Zealand at the moment, we had to can the NZBA part. So it just became an SCA. And because of uh, a past co- competition that was meant to be down here as well got cancelled, it was actually two steak rounds today. So um, everybody got to choose uh, three steaks and hand them in for two rounds and then we also had tacos and we had deviled eggs and there was some um, pretty creative stuff out there ain't eh, I oh man I've just seen some pretty amazing food I mean um, you know a couple of notables um, Steve Cook with his tacos um, Heather with her tacos you know there were some amazing steaks I mean you know the steak sponsor that was originally supposed to be here Ebony obviously we spoke to Jeff Putt a couple of weeks ago but See that wasn't viable for him, so we had some um, good Ansco steaks. I guess there was a few that were a bit, bit ropey, you know. So a couple of people struggled, and there was a bit of frustration. But we were all in the same boat at the end of the day. So, you know, even still, you know, the amazing steaks were turned out today. It's an awesome day. Absolutely, and um, <clears throat> some some great results. And I think uh, you know, 
barbecue base was uh, represented pretty well in in the results. Uh, I'm pretty pleased with how how we did, um, although we weren't we weren't competing as barbecue base. We were competing <laughs> individually. Um, I actually got to bring my son down, and he cooked steaks for the first time, and he's had a great time. Great experience. Um, but look, let, let's just run through some of the results, shall we? So, um, deviled eggs. What a category that is! Like. I don't think any of us have seen a deviled egg since about 1982. But um, I certainly remember loving eating them when my mum made them. For mm. like they were the the height of fashion at one point. But um, we saw some different deviled eggs today. They, they were not your run of the mill deviled eggs that got handed in. I Definitely mean, not. We had um, red dyed eggs stood on their end with parmesan crisps. We I saw. Um, dessert eggs um handed in uh, yeah i think there was a pavlova with some sort of custard cream in there so it looked like half an egg and that was uh oh well derek paul so remember about a month yeah. ago we had derek paul on his eggs he showed me he did a golden meringue yeah with a salted caramel yolk oh wow as yeah. his deviled egg so yeah. Uh, not sure how that did for him. But... You can tell that man's focusing on SCA nowadays, can't you? Eh? He's, <laughs> yes, uh, he's, he's getting can. a little bit, getting a little bit flash. Yes, you can. Yes. Um, but hey, deviled eggs taken out by Wendy Reismer, who's the uh, lovely wife of Brendan Reismer, who is also happens to be the promoter of this uh, tournament. What's it with that family and trophies? I like, know. Even the kids win trophies. <laughs> Everybody wins trophies in that family. Huh? Yeah. Competition Just the, win- the win- winningest family in barbecue, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so she took it out for the eggs. So well done, Wendy. Um, you got to beat Brendan. So <laughs> she make did. Sure, make sure that gets rubbed in, I reckon. Um Tacos. So I didn't cook eggs. You didn't cook eggs, did you? No, no I you just did the, the steaks eggs. today. Yeah. Did you do any eggs tonight? No, just steaks. Yeah. Just steaks. So yeah. I, I, I did. To do that, to be quite honest. <laughs> I I didn't do deviled eggs. I was going to if we if the full NZBA was on and we were going to do it because my teammate Matt was going to do it. But on my own, I was like, oh no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but I did do tacos. I competed in the tacos and I I didn't come in the top five, so I'm not sure where I came. But uh, we did a. Um, Asian style pork belly taco with uh, black beans, charred corn, pickled onion, um, some QP, some slap it on chili caramel, uh, a little bit of chili and coriander. And he didn't give me any. No, well, <laughs> uh, let, let's say um, I need to work on my presentation a bit, I uh, think, okay. and I might have. It might have taken me a bit longer to put that together than I'd have first have expected yeah. to. Oh, look, I mean, I don't want to give away too much about what people did, but I did walk into a few tents because I wasn't doing ancillaries, you know, and there was people making their own mini tacos out of different sort of types of flatbread. And, you know, there was a lot of sort of, yeah, innovation. And I think that's the thing about SCA. It's a bit like barbecue when it started in New Zealand, you know, everyone was kind of a bit new. They weren't really trying anything different. And now SCA, everyone's just really up in their game. So it's getting harder and harder to sort of place in the top 10. So, yeah, yeah. it was awesome to see. Yeah, the creativity was off the charts. Definitely. Um, and look, two, we're going to talk about two of the uh, tacos that we both saw pictures of. Um, second place tacos, friend of the show, uh, the cook, one of the cook brothers. We've mentioned him before. We're going to get him on at some point to talk yeah. some SCAs because he's a bit of an SCA ancillary demon, this boy. Yeah, and uh, 
I've heard he loves a bit of chili, so I'm sure he'd like to, to take the Dragon's Fury challenge at some point. Uh, but Mike Cook came second with a, um, I saw it as a beautiful box, uh, Brandy Snap, um, like a mascarpone cream filling. And he'd got, uh, he'd done the, the sugar uh, teardrops. Yeah. And I believe the, the rumor out there, which I can confirm, some 24 karat gold flake yes. was utilized. So, On the uh, edges of the taco, yeah. And it looked, yeah, very bling, very spectacular, very cook cartel, I think. Very gangster. Very, very gangster. Awkward. Absolutely. And it was on a, I don't know what it was, but it was on a, like a pink base of uh, maybe it was popping candy or something like that that could have been what it was like pink popping candy mm, mm. and it definitely visually made, spectacular it was visually spe- and obviously it yeah. tasted good because he got second 100 um but look uh, shout out heather flanagan who um cooked opposite us and next to noel um took out tacos with her apple crumble dessert taco with ice cream and lime and that sounded wow. absolutely delicious mm. um, and i'm not surprised she won because everyone loves apple crumble i don't know anyone that doesn't like apple crumble absolutely. So, <laughs> it's an awesome awesome choice absolutely well done, heather. and heather's part of mile marker 66 who had a very good day today so um and, it, and it's great to see it's great to see because they also had some of their kids there um so their their son uh, i think Lucas handed in um, some sushi tacos. Yes, which uh, that's mm. pretty impressive. So I think he's yeah. that was that was great to see as well. So um, good family effort and and great results. So onto the stakes and and so they're pretty high stakes. Oh, <laughs> oh, he went there. <laughs> pretty high stakes going on today because we had. <laughs> Two golden tickets up for grabs. Um, we did. So two golden tickets were won. $1,000 prize money for first place. And this goes down as, A, the richest um, SCA so far in New Zealand. So I think there was $5,500 up for grabs across the two state categories mm. today in prize money. And obviously the two golden tickets and 42 stake entries. Mm. So that's easily the biggest um, SCA competition we've seen here in this country. I think it's worth noting as well that of that 42, there was only one um, golden ticket SCA member missing from that group. So everyone who's anyone in SCA was actually at this comp. So it was actually a really good one to to sort of place in. So, Incredibly yeah. tough field. Very, very tough field. Some yeah. very good cookers here today. Um, so look, the stake one... And, you know, uh, I guess, ironically, we talked about him a little bit on the last show. Uh, our hobbling friend, Jared Day from Marmarka 66. Jared Day. <laughs> uh, picked, oh, yeah. <laughs> picked up, picked up uh, the golden ticket for stake round one. And um, kind of in a, in a little twist, Matt Flanagan out of Marmarka 66 had just won his golden ticket in the last competition in Tauranga. Yeah, awesome. So, uh, so it's going to be a boys tour. They're going to have some fun in Houston when we get yeah. to go there. Uh, and look, I, I have to say his reaction was awesome, hey? I mean, he's such a humble guy and um, he was just over the moon. So it was lovely to see yeah. him take that out, you know? Absolutely. It was yeah. great. And um, stake, t- stake round two, Hayden White, um, who, a rookie, Took yeah. out a golden ticket. He's well, actually a local local Napier boy, hey? A local yeah. guy uh, took it out and made it happen. And um, 
that was awesome to see. I don't think he quite believed it when he when he no, pretty shocked, didn't he? when he had that call. It just like it, it took him about two minutes to realise mm. it was him, and we're all looking around trying to work out who it was. <laughs> he didn't know where his ticket was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I so, mean, that's a huge achievement for a first timer, right? First um, time, you know, in a field like this to take out the top spot, just amazing. And definitely so, yeah, some. And it's nice that it was a local boy as well in a local comp, which is fantastic. Always good for barbecue. And some really challenging stakes, actually. I thought, yeah. Like, because mm-hmm. some you had to make some real, um, you know, there's some tricky tying. The trims weren't easy. Some of them were getting a bit split, even on the table, and there yeah. wasn't like a huge amount of stakes left. I mean, my 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 poor my poor son, in his first SCA, he pulled position twenty four, and they'd split the two, they'd split the field into two tables, so there were two numbers you could you know number pools you could pull from. So he was dead last in the uh, first round um, um, actually it wasn't I was 25 oh were you <laughs> <laughs> but were you on the red t- you were on the red table I was you? on the red table yes yeah. he was tw- he was the last on the blue table to go through uh, the blue okay. so you guys were both last yeah, going yeah, through yeah. Um, and he came back on his with his two because he went through the second one first and position 25 in his round and he managed to pick up a try heart off mm. the table so uh Obviously, people aren't looking for those, and mm. that's something you need to go out and have a look for yeah. if, you, if you're not if you're not familiar with what a try heart is. Mm. I suggest, yeah. Yeah. well, actually, don't because uh, that's what I look for. So <laughs> don't, don't go out there and find it at all. Um, yeah. But I thought it was a just a brilliant competition. I love that there were so many family members cooking. People who don't normally come to competitions and cook. Mm. Um, yeah, da- I have to do this. Daniel Tate's uh, wife kicked his ass in a couple of categories I believe (laughs) so um, well that's Abby but there was a bit of banter going on in the crowd because we were standing next to them and um, uh, what's really interesting about Abby is she doesn't eat red meat and she got a steak place (laughs) (laughs) so there was a a lot of banter in the crowd so so look huge shout out to Brendan Reismer for organising the competition and being promoter of the competition Glenn Manning from the SCA and Forbes Taylor did a great job over uh, over the last 24 hours putting it all on and dealing with pretty, you know, some pretty tricky um, pretty tricky things and you know let's also just uh, take a moment because Obviously, we do have Joe Herman with us, and Joe, you did you did pretty well. Um, Not bad. Yep. Joe, Joe, what did you what did you pick up? Uh, I came over second stakes in, in the first stake yep, round, which is pretty stake, awesome. Yes. And uh, second in the rookie yeah, second rookie, rookie category. Yeah, second yeah. Rookie. So it was your first comp as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, first comp. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. So I had the pleasure slow. of um, yeah competing in the same gazebo as Joe. And uh, we were both out last night, so we were feeling pretty dusty. So steak number one for both of us was not our finest hour. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, no, we both not, uh, yeah no, we both didn't do too badly. So it sort of made up for it. The hangover's gone, and everyone's happy again. <laughs> <laughs> we're all ready for tonight. We are. Um, and obviously, uh, Hayden um, White, who took out the steak um, golden ticket, and he's obviously a rookie as well. So he's picked up. Uh, the rookie t- trophy, but only by point one of a point mm-hmm. from you, Joe. So uh, pretty good. Well done, Hayden. Pretty yeah. good effort. Yeah. All well around. done, you, mate. That's awesome. Awesome effort. So brilliant, um, brilliant conversation. And um, look, a guy who's been cooking in a number of SCAs and uh, NZ, well, not NZBAs, but uh, in the UK, uh, a lot of those kind of things is up next. It's our interview with Ian McKend, who is the 
like we said before, he's the inventor and owner of the Pro-Q Smokers range. So we caught up with him earlier in the week. So let's go take a listen to that. So a huge barbecue base welcome to Ian McKend, our guest today. And he'll be most known to you all as the inventor and owner of Pro-Q Smokers, which have a great following here in New Zealand. So Ian, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. No worries. So look, we've got heaps to dive into, and um, I'm pretty excited about this. So I, I uh, use ProQs for um, my competition setup and some stuff at home, which so I'm a bit of a fan of them, which is great. But um, before we dive into all the technical stuff and uh, start talking some, hopefully some geeky bits and pieces about dimensions and materials and all that kind of thing, um, how did you get into barbecue? Um, well, I come from Zimbabwe, so uh, I think from about the age of five, we know how to light a fire, and obviously uh, that that helps. But um, cooking outdoors, it's um, it's sort of really widely done, um, and all year round, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, uh, when when you say barbecue, are you meaning American style barbecue or grilling or covering everything? <laughs> I like to I like to think of barbecue as um, literally cooking with fire. Yeah. I think yeah, there are so many different types of barbecue out there, and obviously, I, I'm sure you grew up on the braai and uh, yeah, yeah, which which is pretty popular here. We have a large South African contingent and African yeah. um, immigrated uh, contingent in New Zealand and certainly in Auckland, and so you know I've heard a lot about braais and. Uh, the way the way of those cooks so um they're pretty interesting as well yeah we've got quite a few mates over there so yeah um when everything sort of went to pot and zim uh everyone moved all over the world uh so growing up with the brise um so you'd know a lot of the hardwood charcoal stuff that goes on there and uh what were the what were the favorite cooks of the of the brise was it much influence from the afrikaans in uh, south um, africa yeah there was a huge afrikaans uh sort of contingent in zimbabwe um but I guess it was what was like anywhere, what's freely available. So steak um, and everyone back in those days was, you know, T-bone steak was the, the one to go for. Um, not so much sausages, but bourrevos, which is translate to like a farmer's sausage, which is kind of, I guess, similar to a German sort of sausage rather than just your pork sausages. Mm. And and it's a pretty hot and fast methodology, that isn't it? It's, it's, Definitely. Uh, it's so uh, you're cooking. Uh, we didn't have uh, charcoals as such. Um, you started a fire with uh, hardwood, which was uh, a species called mapani, um, really hardwood, uh, and then just use the embers to cook upon. Um, so yeah, briquettes and lumpwood charcoal weren't something that anybody bought. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's a real i think when i think of brides i think of them as really kind of cultural and um you know it's cooking for a large crowd isn't it which i guess you know falls into a lot of barbecue as well like yeah. american style or or grilling or whatever it it's not you don't kind of set your bry up and then cook for one do you it's probably cooking for 10 rather than one yeah i think um it's very similar like uh oz um and South Africa, where it's an event rather than about the cooking side of things. Um, to be honest, in those days, uh, the food was probably burnt by the end of it and everyone was a bit <laughs> tipsy, so it didn't really matter. But it was 
about a gathering of friends and family. Um, and the food wasn't the main sort of point there. There were the few guys that um, sort of, you know, classed themselves as, as cooks. Um, otherwise, it was just everyone for themselves throwing some meat on a on a fire, really. <laughs> do you think that's uh, do you think that's changing? Do you think uh, like with the bry that and and with the kind of modern um, movement, there's more people taking much more pride or care of the food rather than it being, you know, drink a couple of slabs and hope you haven't cremated the chicken by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely, it has changed. I mean, even in the UK when we first got here, I mean, you know, the amount of people that said they don't like barbecues. Um, and you can understand it when you served a burnt sausage that raw on in the inside. Um, that's changed hugely. Um, you know, where people, it's become a foodie thing. Uh, so once people realize that they can actually produce really good food on a barbecue, you know, it changes the whole thing. And I think what really influenced that was the American style barbecue, low and slow, where you, you know, basically lighting a fire, putting some meat on, and walking away until it's done. There's no turning or anything. Um, and, yeah, we noticed it when we started with it, that, you know, we'd go and do a demo and, you know, you'd lift the lid and there'd be a roast beef or a, you know, pork shoulder and that, and people were like, wow, are you some, some kind of magician sort of thing? Mm. You know, where's the burnt sausages? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, like I said to you before we started, um, I grew up in the UK and I have many memories of uh, probably quite rainy summers. Yeah. And my dad had stood by the charcoal barbecue and uh, cremated something on it at high heat, uh, <laughs> wondering how that all happened. I mean, so when did you arrive in the UK? Was that quite a long time ago or was yeah, that a recent? I think we've been here 18 years now. Um so, yeah, uh, with the political situation in Zim, um, we, like many people, were forced to move um, uh, from a safety point of view. And also from, I mean, we, we had young kids, so there was not much prospects for their future there. Uh, so we made the decision to move here. Um, and, yeah, we, we looked at South Africa, but just thought, frying pan and fire sort of situation. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the saddest thing about the whole um, sort of uh, migration thing is that it's just split families up. I've got a brother in Perth, a sister who's in France and myself in the UK. And, you know, it's that's, I guess, the, the worst thing is your friends and family are just spread all over the world. Yeah, I uh, think that's definitely a... A, a sign of the times in many, many families, I would say, at the moment, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And so how like, how did you go for it? So wh what were you doing when you moved to the UK? Were you already in the smoker business or the barbecue business? No, or, or? not at all. My, my background is in the motor trade, so I worked for BMW uh, and Toyota for 20 years um, and got over to the UK. I was offered a, a partnership in a business that was doing gas conversions, which were quite popular in that day. Um, that didn't work out. Uh, so three months after we had arrived, I was you know, jobless and basically nearly homeless. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I managed to get a part-time sort of job uh, with a guy who was one of the first people selling barbecues online in the UK. Um, 
and that was really uh, interesting. Um, it was hugely busy in summer, but come first of September, it was like flicking a light switch, yeah. <laughs> um, and you'd sit there, you know, thinking, why isn't the phone ringing, or you know, why are there no orders? But it was just so uh, seasonal. Um, so yeah, uh, and unfortunately, he was a little bit um, ahead of his time and went bust. Um, so from there, we basically bought his remaining stock so he could play his bills, and um, we just went from there. To be honest, so were they um, were they charcoal based or, or gas or because because I mean I I remember coming to New Zealand um, fifteen years ago, mm. and at that point everybody cooked on gas here, gas barbecues, and I and that was a little bit strange to me because I was more used to the kind of the old kettle style barbecues. Yeah. So, yeah. What what's what was the the main push in the UK at that point? It was still very much gas. Um, a few people, uh, very few, I would say, probably five percent would buy a charcoal barbecue, but the majority of it was gas. Um, and we sold probably, I think we had around six hundred barbecue products on the website. So it was very varied, and um, you know smoking wasn't a thing um and going from kind of uh you know where we were one of the few selling barbecues online it within two years it went up to 350 people selling barbecues online and we just thought it's it's just coming too competitive we had a showroom um and people would come into the showroom you'd spend an hour explaining what what they needed and uh they'd go away and buy it somewhere else online so it it was quite uh difficult times in in that industry so you know after working then in a business that sells 95 percent gas barbecues you then decide to pivot completely and invent a company that that relies on uh charcoal yeah and wood yeah. so that, that's an interesting Crazy, decision yeah. uh, point right <laughs> how, how did that come about uh, um well we we started importing a few uh smokers we we kind of felt that we needed to differentiate ourselves from everyone else um so we we started off importing some stuff from america unfortunately the the uh supply was very erratic and they didn't take us seriously so after a while and a few uh, cancelled orders, um, I, I decided I'd had enough and you know, it wasn't rocket science, so I'd have a look into it myself, um, um, which was quite daunting. I think I'd only been uh, in the UK for probably two years and I was now flying off to China to visit factories. I'd never, you know, the furthest we'd ever travelled from Zim was to South Africa. <laughs> so, and... Yeah, and it was like um, very naive. Uh, you know, arrived in China um, and just booked the cheapest hotel that there was, not realizing that it was in a in an area that you know everyone pointed at me because I was the only um, sort of non Chinese person there, and nobody spoke English. I mean, it was just <laughs> it was a it was a good experience, but um, yeah, a little bit. A little bit out of my comfort zone um and we we kind of um 
went to China because we had tried locally. Um, and again, nobody here would take us seriously or wanted minimum order quantities that were just way beyond anything we had sell in 15 years. Um, so we just said, look, you know, we, um, we just can't do it here as much as we'd like to. We do um, source a lot of our products locally um, uh, where we can. And that's our main focus. If we can, we will. Um, but you have to be pragmatic about it. Yeah. So, what was the um, what was the first product that you launched? So the first one was the Frontier, the the bullet smoker. Yeah. Um, and we we basically I'd used every every style that there was out there, every brand, and I I kind of my I think my forte is I look at a product and I can use it and say, oh, that really doesn't that doesn't work for me. I think we can make that work a bit better. Um, and so that's where we kind of designed the frontier around. I mean, you know, we, I did a lot of, um, research online, seeing what people didn't and did like about certain models and just trying to put everything, um, into one unit. Um, my fear was because at that stage we were only selling in the UK, uh, was that someone would buy a smoker and actually not like smoking and they'd just end up with a smoker and thought, no, you know, at least if they get a barbecue grill, a little kettle grill at the end of it, they, they, they could be still, you know, a happy customer. You know, we, we, I think, um, in, in some cases, um, try to be too honest, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, and, and we really are, it's a family business and, um, we use everything that we produce um, and we we want our customers to be happy. We don't, you know, um, we're trying to make products that are um, user-friendly and, you know, just um, we have a ha- happy customer. That's that's our whole goal, um, you know. And was, was flexibility in the product always there from the start in your mind as a core thing? Because, you know, the the great thing I think about the Pro-Q Bullets um, is that ability to reduce, add, if you want to just make a little a little kettle star, you just use the bottom. You got two stacks. Um, there's plenty. You can hang stuff. You can grate it. Was that always a core tenant of what you were trying to do? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we'd used uh, several of the other brands, which just have a single chamber, and I found if I was cooking two kinds of uh, meat on it, on the you know different levels. Uh, invariably what would happen was the bottom level would be ready first and then you having to lift everything out of the top level um, and that just I found that a bit annoying um, but again you know with everything we produce we try and try and get as many uses out of a product as possible um, you know we want it versatile we want people to cook in as many different ways on a product um, so yeah it is it is a, a key part of our design and um so when you brought the frontier out uh it had a water pan built mm-hmm. in or and and it's pretty much i mean the frontiers stayed a pretty similar design since the since the start hasn't it i mean it's small tweaks rather than yeah uh there's been tweaks along the way and we finally i'd, I'd say with this latest v4 model is we've got to where we want it to be um i don't think there's much more we can do to it to improve it um 
the the original one was uh involved quite a bit of assembly so you had to assemble the handles and you know all the grill uh, brackets and everything so it took i mean even i when i went to do a show and i'd be doing you know had to assemble eight barbecues it took me like you know two hours <laughs> so um <laughs> you know it just wasn't wasn't user friendly and um so we tweaked the way it was built and put the folding side handles on um and just yeah just try to improve the quality as well all along the line i mean you know weber is is good um where you know they've been doing it for a long time so they've they've yeah. managed to you know crack the quality issues um and that's that's the kind of quality we're we're aspiring to as well so and i think we're we're pretty much there now yeah, well, I mean, I've seen, I, I've got the, I've got two Excels, but the V3s, I actually managed to get a great deal uh, just after you launched the V4s. Oh, okay. I knew somebody who still had a couple of V3s that, and they were prepared to part with them uh, for a fair bit less than, than uh, retail. So that was, yeah. I, I got a very good deal. But I've seen the V4s and they're really <clears throat> great quality. The porcelining is excellent. I mean, I think that's up to, weather standard the handles are, are, are great the the vents um and i think the ease of use of them has been a real factor in some of their success certainly over here in australia um we see we see a lot of them right around the comp yeah. circuit and in the backyard um so how long did it take to go from the frontier to the three family bullet um, the next one was the XL. Uh, we we were going to have a dabble in the US market um, because we were getting a lot of interest. Um, you know, people who who had Webers were calling it the Weber Smoky Mountain that Weber wouldn't build. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we 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 had a little dabble there, and um, everybody wanted something bigger. Um, so. Uh, rightly or wrongly, we kind of at that stage Weber only had the the forty seven centimeter mm -hmm. one, so we wanted to be a little bit bigger than that. Um, we didn't want to match their product sizes, um, you know, and that sort of thing. We wanted to to be different, I guess. Um, so ours was a, a twenty inch um, uh, rather than an eighteen inch, um, and it was really well received, but we we came short with the the partner we chose to um, represent us there, and so yeah, I mean, we that's something we're still looking at. Um, it's an important market for us, um, but we we haven't uh, after the first sort of once bitten twice shy incident, <laughs> we we've been a bit yeah. slow to get in there. We've uh, to be honest, I mean. We've, we're a small company. There's only eight of us in it, um, so it's quite quite difficult to do everything we want to do in you know uh, a quick sort of manner. So, now I, I'm gonna I'm going straight to the source here because one of the great debates online, and especially in if you hang out for any amount of time in you know some of the Facebook groups that are out there, like yeah, the ProQ yeah. Party, um, <clears throat> you hang out in there, and invariably I'd say at least once a week there's a discussion about the water pan. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and um, <laughs> some people still like to put water in it. Some people don't put anything in it at all and maybe just foil it. I like to use sand in mine. I find that's uh, the best thing. What do you put 
in your water pan? It depends what I'm cooking. Um, I, I've used water for most of the years. I only sort of started dabbling in other bits. And I've, to be honest, I've only tried dry with a foil pan and sand in the pan. Um, and that was probably two years ago. Um, I, I kind of, for me, the water stabilizer. If I, I know if I've got water in there and a fire in there, it's going to sit at 110 or, you know, 225, which yep. is what I want. Um, I'm not in a rush. I'm not hot and fasting or anything. Um, so, you know, and this uh, whole uh, thing where hot and fast has now become a, a major thing, well, then you're going to have to adjust how you cook on the thing because it's designed for low and slow. Yeah. You can do hot and fast, um, but not with water in it. Um, no. Well, I've so, taken the pan out and seen it suddenly sitting at 350. Yeah, yeah. So about 175 or something, 180 degrees and gone, oh, okay, that's what happens <laughs> when you do that. <laughs> yeah, so so it's it's kind of the way everything, you know, everything evolves um, in this industry. So, you know, as I say, the, the cooking style has changed. And I I still think that, you know, for me, it's it's an experience. It's still lighting the fire and, you know, getting all that stuff. It's it's trying to, for me, it's a it's it's like golf where it's your mind switches off. There's no work going on in your head. You're just, you know, zoning out and relaxing. Um, and that's the whole point of it for me. I, I You know, pellet smokers, press, press a button, walk inside, take your food off. Doesn't appeal to me. Um, yeah, they have a place, but it's not my thing. Um, you know, I want I want that experience and yeah, you know, fiddling about with the fire and you know, prodding this and prodding that and yeah. I mean, the irony in that statement though, <clears throat> really, is they're incredibly easy to use and yeah. they dial in so well that you can. I mean, it's part of the reason I switched. Um, had an opportunity to switch our competition setup, and we used to be on a big trailered offset. Okay, and um, <laughs> no sleep. You know, then. <laughs> no sleep, and it needed a stick every kind of you know like thirty minutes or so. And um, part of my thinking was, I want a bit more sleep, and yeah. I want something that I know I can set at one a.m. or two a.m. and leave it alone for four hours and actually get a bit of sleep and come back to it and not. And you can do that with the with the bullet range. I mean, they're rock solid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not uh, professing to be, uh, you know, someone that is, you know, really into it and wants to fiddle with it. I'm a lazy cook. Um, so going from a grilling, which I think takes a lot more skill than, yeah. than low and slow, um, you know, to something that you can just walk away for three and a half hours if you're doing a chicken is just, it's mind blowing, you know, and uh, life changing. Um, you know, I think the i think in our first manual I actually put there you know you can walk away but don't tell the wife you you know yeah <laughs> just in case she gets you start doing all the chores around the house <laughs> i know i've had uh, i've had yeah. moments where i've been putting stuff on and and then i've kind of gone you know normally i'd be like okay i've got to go do this or this or this and suddenly i've turned yeah. around and gone oh no it's all pretty much okay i <laughs> I'm not quite sure what to do now. <laughs> I was yeah. expecting to do a lot more. So, I mean, the the next iteration, you you brought out all the bullets and, and then you went into the cabinets. <clears throat> and um, I know the cabinets, are, I know of quite a few on the New Zealand comp circuit, very popular. Um, what drove that decision to, to go from bullets to cabinets? Because they're a whole different beast again. Yeah, I mean, 
we we by that stage we'd started um you know going into the competition scene ourselves and i just noticed there were the only things available in uk and europe were american cabinets and um had a look at them um they looked pretty um but they just didn't work there you always having to tweak something or or try and work around problems um and for me, when you're paying, you know, six, seven grand, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be the case. So again, we we gotten a few of their top ones and tried them out ourselves, and just said no. Um, you know, there, there's definitely a a gap in the market, um, and we worked with a Hungarian company who who um, actually make um, wood fired heating solutions for housing. So they they understand airflow like nobody's business so um that's where we came to and we wanted something that that looked good it didn't have to look pretty um but it needed to work properly um it we didn't want hot spots and that sort of thing um so i think we achieved that fairly quickly um we haven't really had to tweak those at all uh um, we dabbled with yakitori grills or um they were just the problem with Hungary is um, it's they want everything built to last for fourteen generations. So our cabinets are heavy, and that's you know on the competition scene it it doesn't really work because you you know you've got a couple of guys or maybe four guys hauling a lot of stuff around, and it's you know if you've got a a, a stretch you've you've got like three hundred and fifty kgs to get off another trailer. Um, but in the commercial kitchen arena and the catering arena, that's they really they just sit for for days and and just yeah. work. So, yeah. Um, the other thing we did was uh, look at cold smoking stuff. I'm not sure how well that does in New Zealand. I don't think it's been pushed too much. Um, no, not not as much. That there is some cold smoking equipment here. Um, I mean, people will. Obviously, salmon, they'll cold smoke. There's a bit of interest in cheese and that kind of thing. but um, And there's a little uh, standalone cheap-ish uh, unit that you can get. Um, but, yeah, most New Zealanders are probably more into the hot smoking of uh, the fish and um, hunted stuff and that kind of thing. It's very much like, like that. Okay. I mean, the funny thing about the stretches, I know of uh, I know of one of our good, good friends um, who – uh, have a stretch for competition and uh, they went ahead and um, put some larger wheels with some uh, different <laughs> tires on it, which make it a bit more maneuverable around fields yeah, yeah. when we're setting up for competition. So I think, um, you yeah, know, obviously <clears throat> there are some adaptions you can make to make things work. Sure. Because um, it's sure. a beautiful piece of equipment, that stretch, but yeah. uh, I, I would love a tubby. That's my, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's- I mean, the stretch for, for kind of, um, even for competition use is a, a little bit overkill. Um, a tubby it's a, it's does a lot most of cooking area. <laughs> yeah. And um, as I say, I mean, we, we do demos and I've been to, you know, events where it's me and the missus with a stretch on the back of my pickup and 
I'll, I'll offload it and get it back on. But it's it's it is a job. <laughs> it's a yeah, it is a big piece of kit, big yeah. piece of kit. So um, you talked about going into the competition scene, and uh, a lot of our listeners are in that scene or around it. And and in New Zealand, we are about so to give you an idea, we're about four years into having a competition scene like a proper circuit and all that kind of stuff um sponsored and and with you know reasonably uh, a reasonable amount of events so how long's the uk scene been going um it's a good question uh there was one um the uk is very different to the rest of europe we you know where every other country seems to have a barbecue association and everyone gets on uh to a degree, um, the UK just ended up with a huge bun fight of who was going to be the boss and what have you. So the UK was, it started off, um, I would say, probably 10 years ago um, with KCBS uh, and very quickly died um, because of all the infighting and that, which was really sad. Um, uh, and, yeah, still to this day, there's still sort of um you know feelings for people that you know just i just don't get it i mean for me barbecues about friends and family and you know yeah times but um that said um it's it has we've we went through a stage where probably in the last sort of four years where more and more barbecue competitions were coming along um and we found that KCBS, to be honest, is quite boring for as a spectator event, you know, and especially in the later years where teams are kind of hiding behind screens and things because they don't yeah. want people to see what they're doing. So um, the events that are kind of uh, tagged on to something else, like a car show or, you know, just uh, a fair sort of situation, those really work well. Um, and they get a lot of people through. We had an event called Grillstock that ran for about six years here, five, six years. That was fantastic. Um, similar to the the ones they do in Oz, and I think they do one in New Zealand. The meat yep, uh, the meat, meat stock. Yep, we yeah, yeah. we uh, compete at that, and that that is a great event. I think we get about eight thousand people through. Yeah, um, over the two days, which is a big event in New Zealand. Yeah, uh, yeah. that was found quite small for the UK, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, eight thousand is a good number. Um, I think grill stock probably with fifteen thousand to yeah, you know, that sort of thing. But it was a it was a you know a music event a music music festival sort of thing as well um so they had a lot going on like meat stock does so yeah and what about um is sca has that taken off in the uk or is that big i mean that that is enjoying a boom here i would say that and partly because of our covid restrictions mean that we can't actually have an nzba right now um, but we are having, for example, this weekend was meant to be a big NZBA competition here with an SCA on the side. Okay. Um, COVID restrictions mean that we can't do the NZBA portion, so we're just doing SCA. But it's really picking up in popularity and the creativity of the ancillary side, and and you've still got the technical aspect of the stakes is really popular. Is it is it as popular in the UK? Um, so I know in the US it's certainly popular as well. Yeah, it is popular. Um and I, I just can't believe it. I, I signed up for the judging course as soon as I knew about it. Um, I did mine in, I think, in the Netherlands. And, uh, I mean, who wouldn't want to sit and eat 
ribeye steaks all day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it is a it's a popular not only in the UK but across Europe, and it's growing. Um, I think being a, a kind of short event, um, you know, opens it up to a lot more people, um, mm. and everybody thinks they can cook a good steak. Um, my son actually went over to the states for their for the main SEA. You know, he mm-hmm. won a in golden Houston. ticket. Yeah. Yep. And he just said, no, I thought I could cook a steak. but <laughs> <laughs> I think we all get that wake-up call at some point, don't yeah, we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you you were bouncing around the competition scene and you started ProCure and then you, you really started branching out as well. And you've got, I mean, I think one of the most, two of the most uh, recognizable ProQ products outside of the smokers themselves for us over here would be Smartfire and the Chimney, which actually in some of our... Um, some of our Facebook groups at the moment, I know if you ask what's the best chimney, you can guarantee there'll be about 10 people straight away say the Pro-Q chimney. That's good to um, hear. Yeah, it's, it's, I tell you, I, I love it. Um, I love it because you can stick a gas torch through the holes mm-hmm. and it will stay. You don't have to stand there holding. So the bottom holes fit a little gas torch really, really well and then they'll help light the, the charcoal. So how – how do you go about um, deciding what the the right accessories and things to to invest in are for ProQ? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's so we've focused on the the smokers and everything for you know many years, and we kind of just bought stuff that was on the shelf as an accessory. So once we've got the bullets to where we want them, we've we've been able now to to focus on accessories. Um, Chimney starters, the again the Weber one is is like bulletproof, um, and um, we just wanted something a little bit better, um, uh, and it's it's not cheap. I uh, you know I've had many a, a cheap chimney starter when you lift it up, the bottom falls up and spills hot coal mm-hmm. all over you. Um, yeah. and I just we've thought, all been there, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm usually barefoot, so. you definitely don't want that Uh, if you're uh, barefoot so with with anything that we look at we we're we're aiming for you know um, a better quality than what's out there Um, and the chimney starter i just thought well you know we we do a lot of stuff in stainless let's let's just make that in stainless and see how it goes um you know uh again trialing all different types and all different brands, you know, you, you get to know what works and what doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, the Smart Fire was a, a collaboration with uh, Mark uh, from Oz. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, for us, we, we've, we've gone through the whole process of, of bringing in stuff that we, products that we like, and we, we distribute those, you know, mainly throughout the throughout Europe and then we we kind of got burnt quite a few times by people that you know we built the market up and they come in and take it over um, so we decided that anything that we were going to do that we didn't manufacture had to be either branded or co-branded um, and hence the collaboration with Smartfire yeah um, it's a good product um, and yeah it it's got a lot of love uh, you know so it certainly does it certainly does and let's face it it makes a really easy product to use even easier yeah yeah (laughs) i mean you can walk away six to eight hours now don't worry about it at all yeah i 
I still, for me, uh, I'll mostly cook without any anything else. Um, and I, I kind of, uh, as you say, I mean, I, I don't understand why you'd want uh, a fan controller on a Kamado, um, you know, or a cabinet, even uh, insulated cabinet, because you know, once you've dialed them in, they basically sit there. Mm. Um, so, but you know, it's it's a strange thing this this barbecue industry where people love. It's it's very similar to the fishing industry. If you know, if you think there's a new lure out, you've got to have it because it's going to catch more fish. You know, um, and it's it's very similar in that regard where everybody likes their toys. Um, and yeah, it's good for barbecue businesses, but. Yeah. Oh, look, I have, uh, I, I've decided, yeah. I, I'd kind of worked out a few years ago that after dabbling in many hobbies, um, I, I essentially have three rules that if if a hobby can satisfy the three rules, I'm pretty much all in. <laughs> and those three rules are I have to be able to spend an inordinate amount of time uh, in this ho- in whatever hobby it is. So I've done diving before and yeah, yeah. Uh, golf and cycling and all that kind of stuff. So it has to be a long period of time that I can dedicate myself to it. It has to have an element of competitiveness, uh-huh. whether that's official or just, I guess, the bragging rights and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And I have to be able to spend an incredible amount of money constantly <laughs> <laughs> buying things so I keep my interest alive. So uh, Yeah, it is, a, uh, it is about um, keeping your interest going and trying different things. I mean, you know, uh, and that's what it's all about. I mean, I don't think anyone can tell you how to barbecue, you know. Um, you, you learn stuff every time you cook. Um, so it's it is that sort of thing and it's it's very much based on personal preference i absolutely believe that as well i absolutely believe that now um when you're cooking for yourself what's the uh what are the favorite things i mean i know you said you started out on the brise but now in the low and slow and and obviously different some different cuts in in the uk to us and over here yeah What, what would be the favorite thing to go on the on the smoker for you so um I'm I'm a big fan of brisket. I can't get enough brisket. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if I'm if I'm cooking on um, straight over the coals, then it'll be a ribeye um, or lamb ribs. Um, in my family, it's a bit of a joke now because my freezer is stacked with lamb ribs because we couldn't find them here for a long time. So you know, every time I've I've got a secret supermarket that. Is the only one I found that does them, and they have them on special. So I just go in there once a week and clear them out. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they've become very trendy in the barbecue scene here as well. The old lamb ribs, like they are very popular as well. They're just there's just so much flavour in them. It's mm. just amazing. Yeah, and yeah, you know, the UK is very similar to New Zealand in that sense. That lamb is an incredible, well, and, and Australia as well. You know, it's a it's an incredibly popular meat. Yeah, I mean, it's. I find it quite strange. You see sheep running all over the hills, yeah, but you can never buy UK lamb, and it's just like, what do they do with these critters? You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all yeah, it's all exported, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, look, from a, I mean, either either a backyarder or a or a com- competition point of view, what would be your uh, top tips for anybody looking to get into? get into this fabulous hobby that we all dedicate our lives and our wallets to? I think 
uh, especially on the competition side, and we've spoken to a few people, is, um, you know, don't worry about the end result. Enjoy what you're doing, you know. As long as you're getting enjoyment out of it, um, don't stress. Um, it's it's meant to be a, an occupation or a, a something that de-stresses you. It shouldn't cause you stress. Mm. Um, you know, buy buy whatever you can afford. The, you know, spend as much as you can on on good equipment um, and and meat as well. I mean, we have so many people buy barbecues and and buy a really cheap cut of meat and expect it to transform, but it doesn't. It's you know your ingredients are really important. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, it it is. Um, I mean, there are some things which would traditionally have been cheaper, like, you know, you think about beef cheeks or, mm. uh, I mean, a brisket at some point, but but you still can tell when you're buying a quality above of the meat quality, even in the same cut. Sure, uh, sure. And, yeah, I mean, getting to know your local butcher and, you know, chatting to them, we went through, and, and it still is today, if you go into a butcher and ask for a brisket, he's going to give you a rolled up piece um, mm. that's had all the fat trimmed off. Um, and But there are, it's it's getting more sort of the norm to go into a butcher and say, I'd like a brisket, and they'll know what you're talking about. But um, yeah, knowing your butcher and, um, you know, chatting to them and, and, you know, getting advice from them and you know, sometimes putting it, giving them a bit of input as well is good. Yeah, because I mean, um, you know, butchers, butchers, we kind of think of them, you know, I guess we used to think of them as very much a retail purchase, but you know, you think they are skilled people who have a passion for what they do. And I know I've um, been dealing with various butchers who aren't particularly knowledgeable about the barbecue cuts and they love if you chat to them, you go, this is what I want. And here's a video of how it's cut. Mm. And then they do an amazing job and they're really proud of it and happy to do it for you. But people just need to know to ask really and just have chats and yeah. not be afraid of it. Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing, at, not only in barbecue but in life, is people are scared to ask questions. Um, and that's just wrong. There's, you know. Um, but then again, over here you get really different kind of butchers. They, they've got all the, the looks, but they're actually just buying in cuts. Um, they're not actually butchering. Um, so, you know, knowing which butcher actually buys in carcasses and butchers them yeah. is is important. It is. It is. Absolutely is. And, you know, <clears throat> asking questions is something that we do a lot of and we've done a lot of it. Um, mm. And, you know, I think I could continue asking questions for another hour, two hours. So we might have to, uh, <laughs> we might have to get you back on at some point and oh, do a repeat, a repeat, a um, repeat. So thank you so much for coming on and being part of the show. I know this one will be very uh, hotly awaited um, by our listenership. And but before we do let you go, um, where can where can people find you or ProQ on the web? Like, what, what where are the best places for people to get hold of you? Um, so we got uh, our distributor in New Zealand is uh, Barbecue Supplies NZ. Uh, Matt Mr. Saunders, yeah, yes, good man. Um, and that's another thing is when we look for partners, we're looking for a proper partnership where it's more like a marriage. We, we've got to get on, you know, I can sit down with Matt and have a beer and have a, a chin wag and, you know, we're mates rather than, you know, it's not it's not all about big business or anything. So, yeah. Um, so our, our, 
own website is um, ProQSmokers.com, um, and that will have links to, you know, all the distributors and dealers and within the countries that we go. And social channels, what what are the uh, where can people follow you? Uh, ProQ Smokers on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I don't do Twitter, but I think my son might do a little bit of that. But <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I'll leave that to Trump. <laughs> and and you guys are an official well the the ProQ party is an official sort of fan yeah. group for um for you as well so that's yeah that i found a great source of knowledge for for me in learning the learning the ropes of ProQ. it's a great um source uh on there because um we don't get really involved in this and this is a bit of nonsense going on um you know, so it's it's people that have used our units in ways that we haven't used them in, or wouldn't think of using them in. So, you know, it's a it's a good a starting point for people starting out. It absolutely well, Ian. Look, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it, uh, even across twelve thousand kilometers. Um, the joy yeah. of technology to be able to that make these great. things happen now. Yeah, um, but we would love to see you in person when all this uh, craziness is over and hopefully you'll get over yeah, for a meat wait. stock in the next couple of years and we can um, catch up properly. But thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and, thank um, you. We'll make sure we get you back soon. All right, Alex. Thank you very much, mate. Hey, so it was great catching up with Ian um, earlier this week. Uh, I mean, they just make some incredible barbecue machines. Um, they're excellent cookers. I've got a couple I know, Noel, you've cooked on them, I think. Joe, have you ever cooked on a ProQ? No, no, I haven't. I love them. I love them. They're they're so easy to use. So it was awesome to catch up with Ian. Um, Obviously, as Ian said, uh, you can hunt out ProQ at Barbecue Supplies um, and also, I believe, uh, Barbecue Boy stock the ProQ range as well. So so get amongst it if you need it. Now, you all know how much I love 10 burning questions and Joe is our, our guest for this, but... The, I, even Noel's worried about this week's 10 burning questions because I normally we would be plugging um, the Fire Dragon Chili's Dragon's Fury about now. That actually sounds better than what... But it was left up to me to bring it with me to Napier and I remembered about four hours out of Auckland that I'd forgotten it. Brilliant. So... <laughs> Cheers, mate. What we've got instead is... Dan Tate from Heavy Kettle Smokers had jokingly talked about his Trinidad Scorpions that he had <laughs> and how he was happy to bring some to the competition for us. Scorpions. So we, we have each a whole Trinidad Scorpion to ingest. I believe they're between 1.5 and 2 million on the Scoble scale. Jesus. So um, this could be fun. Um, I don't think we're videoing this one because quite frankly, I'm not quite sure I'm going to survive and I don't really want my death (laughs) filmed and then put on YouTube by somebody afterwards to be quite frank. Um, I'm pretty worried. I've I've had a good sniff of this and my God, they are potent. Hey, Noel. They're just just horrible, mate. They're a horrible chilli and... um... Yeah, I'm not looking forward to this one. I really like chili as well. So, <laughs> thanks. 
<laughs> oh god right. so if this one uh, like, there could be some bad words coming up so if you're listening with young children in the car or at home you might want to pop some headphones on or maybe save this one for later because this one could go R18 I'm pretty sure so we've Definitely. got our questions I've got a feeling we're going to want to get through these questions pretty fast Joe so let's not for sure. you know, get too verbose about <laughs> it and start telling all the stories alright alright let's get on to it <laughs> cheers 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 oh god this is just <laughs> cheers I'm just not looking forward to this at all. It's burning already. Oh my god. Fucking hell. Here we go. I mean... Good flavour. Oh really? Oh my god! Jesus! Ouch. Oh, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt so bad. I can feel it already. It's starting to burn the pins. and Oh, my God. They're in. Okay, Joe. <coughs> oh, <laughs> here are your... Oh, my, they really are. Your 10 burning questions this week. <sighs> What's your favourite type of barbecue to cook on and why? Uh, it'll be... Why? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It would be uh, probably a Bronco, Mike, Joe Bronco. Because it's just it's just bulletproof, eh? Absolutely, goddamn. Oh. Fuck, that's hot, man. I, I'm just drooling. I've just got a mouthful of saliva. I'm gonna spit on Noel or Michael. I've got the hiccups. Okay, mate. What's your favorite favorite cut of meat to cook and eat, and why? Uh, anything, uh. anything beef, eh? I just love beef, um, especially since doing. Uh, it actually hurts to talk. Uh. Um, <laughs> Anything beef for you, mate. Anything beef. Hey. Oh, oh God, we've got the hiccups. Biggest fail to date, Joe. Um, cooking a rib roast and having a tempura bin, but it was set at Celsius, so not Fahrenheit. <laughs> and it was bloody cooked all right. Mate, that's, I, I laughed hard there, partly because that's funny. <laughs> partly because I'm in great amounts of pain. I actually didn't even hear what you said. <laughs> Okay. Fat side up or fat side down for brisket? Ah, uh, fat side down. Uh, or a fatty down. Uh, well, we're getting through them. We're getting through them. Oh, God. Strangest thing you've ever eaten. Uh, Chocolate-covered tarantula. Oh, wow. It wow. Was, it was quite crunchy. Couldn't eat the abdomen. It was just a little bit of leg. Oh. <laughs> My insides are hurting. What's the best barbecue that's yours that you've not ever had, that you've ever had? <laughs> that you've not ever had. <laughs> Sorry, what's, the, what's the best barbecue that's not yours that you've ever had? Um, oh my God. Uh, I'd have to say probably anything Brendan cooks really, to be quite honest, is brisket. It's Brendan Rysmer, eh? Yep. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, this is this is easily the most painful. Fuck! Oh my god, this is the worst one we've ever done. Oh. <laughs> fuck! I, I knew this was a bad idea. Who, who did you learn most from when starting out? Um, oh. it'd be Brendan from the Smoky Meat House and uh, oh, Dan Tate from Heavy Kittles. Both legends of barbecue, oh, eh? Oh, they are, mate. Especially in Hawkesbury, it's just yeah. Really, really uh, oh, I'm gonna have to lie down in a minute. Okay. Low and slow or hot and fast? Uh, low and slow, I think, eh? Low and slow all day, man. Oh, 
I'm going fucking hell. I'm going thermonuclear. Oh my god. It's so hot. It feels like pins on your mouth. Okay, this is this is where I oh god damn. Ah! I have to say you're not oh god, no, you don't want to clear your throat. That's just pain. You're not allowed to say uh, the man who's sitting here. I know you might want to, but you're not allowed because his head <coughs> is about to explode with with this chili, to be honest. But who's the biggest legend in New Zealand barbecue? Oh, Brendan from Smoking Meat House, hands down, man. Without a doubt. Oh, I agree with that, but he's such a good dude, eh? This is so hot, man. Fuck. Okay, um, oh my God. mate, what is your top tip for a newbie barbecue? Um, don't overthink. Um, don't eat Trinidad scorpion chilies. Don't ever be on barbecue base. Um, <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh, no! No! Um, no um, oh, don't worry, yeah. you won't be again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, just don't overthink what you're doing, eh? That's pretty much probably the best, best thing, eh? Well, I, can give. I think that's good advice eh? I think people overthink everything in yeah, barbecue and, and Google just, YouTube just do it and read a lot and get into friend, it but yes absolutely I mean it's so easy to overthink because there's so many bits of advice out there yeah, yeah. Yeah. oh fuck there's so oh. many oh, there's so many ways you can go there's so many different things you can do and I think just pick a recipe and give it a go and see what happens and then make adjustments after it um, is the way so look, oh my God, Joe, you have survived. So look, Joe, you've survived the 10 burning questions, just maybe. I, I, it's still building. I'm not sure we're done for a while yet. Uh, people don't, PSA here, Trinidad scorpions are really hot. Don't, don't take them. Um, what's coming up for you with Blitzkrieg? Where can we find you? What's um, happening? What's your Facebook page, mate? Um, Blitzkrieg Barbecue. Um, you got Insta as well? Yeah, Insta's um, Blitzkrieg Barbecue NZ. Yep. And um, just got just trying to nail on any comp that comes up, really, to be quite honest, though. And you, uh, yeah, Joe, for anyone who doesn't know, Joe is a new dad. Um, yes, yep. A very happy new dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I met Georgie the other night, actually. She's absolutely beautiful. So, you know, we wish you all the work, all the best with Thank that. You. We we love to see you at comps. Um, you're one of the great, nice guys of the scene now. And, um, you know, if you could just do a little worse in brisket every now and again, that would be awesome for me. <laughs> but, um, you know, good luck, I guess. <laughs> going forward. Yeah, mate, but, good luck, Joe. No, thank you. Awesome, mate. Awesome watching you today as well in action. That's the first That's time, cheers, isn't it? Awesome. It was good to so, see you, man. So thanks for stepping in uh, to come. Oh, no, thank you. I, I, I think. think. Yeah, I'm sure you're thanking us right now. I'm sure you're thanking us massively. But um, thanks for coming on. And guys, we hope you've enjoyed this show. The three of us are about to go. I need to go out and find... I think I might... You might find me halfway up Mount Rapehu sticking my head in the snow quite soon. Um, it's only a couple of four hour drive from here, so you know, it won't take me long. Um, guys, we love having you along for the show. Thanks for listening. As ever, you can find us at Barbecue Base on Facebook. Uh, you can find Noel at Meat Mafia Collective on Facebook and Insta. Insta, yeah. YouTube and TikTok, actually. TikTok. And... Uh, you can find me if you really want to. You can find me at Bur Beginnings Barbecue on Facebook and Insta. Um, please give the show uh, a like, a rating. Give us those five stars right now. Give us a review. We love the reviews. We've had a few. 
Oh god, oh, I am in so much pain. Um, oh fuck. <laughs> so hot. What are we doing? We're doing a podcast. Finish the podcast, Alex. So we're going to finish now because we are literally all on fire. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks on the next episode of Barbecue Base.